premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible, as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Ruciello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, the King James Bible. And you know, folks, my prayer for you today is the same as it is every day, and that is that wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform you find yourself listening to us on, that you find yourself in the grace of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to a Sunday broadcast of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. It's great to be with you. Folks, I just want to say thank you so much for everyone that was able to tune in on Thursday evening for our Thursday night Bible study. Uh, that was a real blessing to do. I really had a great time with it. Um, it went off almost without a hitch. We had some technical problems beforehand, like my computer crashed about four minutes before we went to air and then um, had a problem getting the audio backed up. So, uh, but, you know, praise the Lord, everything worked out well, everything went online and we had everything uh, good to go. Uh, so before we get into the study today, I'm really looking forward to getting into this one too. Uh, this is going to be more of a preaching uh, type of a, of a lesson than a teaching kind of lesson, so it's going to be a little bit different. But um, before we do any of that, I'm going to ask of you to do two things for me. The first thing is to go to go over to our website, uh, the com, and when you get over there, look for that contact section and send us off a message. Uh, I love to get emails from everybody, and uh, some of the emails and feedback that I've been getting have been really helpful and really great, and I really appreciate it. And um, uh, so just uh, send those over. And also don't forget to send questions. You can send questions over to me. I have uh, one or two that we didn't get a chance to get to last week, <clears throat> excuse me, on Thursday. So uh, we'll get to those in just a little bit. And the next thing I'd like you to do is when you get over to the um, website is look for the support this podcast button. And if the Lord leads you to do so, and these podcasts have been a blessing to you in any way, would you please consider supporting this ministry? You can set up a monthly contribution for $0.99 cents a month, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. So I'm asking that if you pray about it, and the Lord leads you to do it, and like I said, these have been a blessing to you in any way, I would really be thankful for it. And I'd also like to say thank you, of course, to all of our current supporters, those of you who support us prayerfully, those of you who support us financially, and of course, to every single one of you who tune in faithfully every week. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, would you please consider visiting us over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe, 
Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. For more information, you can visit the church's Facebook page. Just log into Facebook and search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. And then once you get there, you're going to find loads of helpful information. And also you'll find some episodes of this podcast as well. Now, as you know, we're on uh, many, many different platforms, including Spotify, Anchor, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, and so on. Uh, You can get the complete list by looking over our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Just scroll all the way down to the bottom. And you'll find everything there. Um, uh, well, we got that. We got that. Okay, I'm going down my checklist here. I lost my place in my notes. All right. But, uh, folks, wherever you're listening, just be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And help us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So important today. So very, very important today. You guys know this, and I've told you this before. I believe that the Lord is at the door, and he's ready to step in. So, folks, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, now is the time. There's no better time than right now. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, all you have to do is just ask him to save you. All you have to do is put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, It's something that just takes a matter of seconds to do, and if you're sincere and you're looking for him from the heart, he'll save you. He'll do that. He'll forgive every single sin that you've ever done and that you ever will do, every single thought that you had that wasn't appropriate, every sinful thought, every sinful idea. He'll forgive that. Just put your full face, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to save you today. And if you do do that, would you let me know? Just shoot me off an email, and I'll be happy to uh, to get back to you, and I'll even send you something for it. So uh, just check us out uh, on the website, info at com. You can email us to that address. All right, folks, so uh, live announcements. Uh, we have live broadcasts now on Thursday uh, at 7 p.m. Bible study. We have the 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon Bible study. Uh, Saturdays, we're going to have live broadcasts. Now, the Saturday broadcast, like I've told you before, the Saturday broadcast is not going to be a consistent every Saturday deal. Basically, what it's going to be is uh, we are going to invite folks to come onto the program to talk with us, to interview and whatnot, and just have conversation uh, all around the scripture, uh, but it's also upon availability. So uh, coming up uh, October 1st, we, we're going to have uh, Ruben Ortega Landa. He'll be joining us, and I'll tell you more about him as uh, as the day draws closer. Uh, and that will be at three o'clock on Saturday, October first. It'll be a, it'll be a real treat, real blessing. I know Ruben for a number of years, and he's a good Christian man, and uh, you're going to get a lot out of him. Um, we also added something new to our website. We ordered, we added a Spreaker uh, player link, so you could listen to us on our website, and uh, that would be great. Also, we are, um, what else did we do? Ah, yes, 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 yes. Merchandise. So uh, we are getting more of the Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs, and we're getting the uh, the stainless steel 
uh, coffee mugs as well, uh, should have a couple today. Uh, and then we'll put them up on the website. Or uh, you could also email me at info at sortofthespiritpodcast.com, and I'll let you know when they're completely available. So that's uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. And um, really excited, <laughs> really excited. This thing is growing faster than I thought it would. And it's praise the Lord for that. I'm very, very thankful for it. All right, so we're going to move over to some prayer requests uh, for today. For today. Uh, let's see. Uh, first and foremost, we want to pray for salvation. Okay, uh, we want to pray for uh, David in New York. David is uh, in need of salvation. I've witnessed to David many, many times, and he has constantly rejected it. So we want to pray for David. We also want to pray for my granddaughter, Carmela. Uh, she's in need of salvation. She's she's just a little gar- little girl, and uh, but there's no better time than now. We're praying for my sister as well, and we're also praying for my mom as well, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. All right, so we're going to pray for them. Uh, we're also going to pray off of our sick list. We have, uh, well, we're, we're still praying for Pastor Martin. Pastor Martin is uh, my pastor's pastor in Ohio, and he's become a good friend to me and a good, uh, a good mentor to me. Uh, pastor Martin, just to tell you, if you haven't heard this already, Pastor Martin is like 88 years old, and he still, to this day, goes out and street preaches. Now, that should put a lot of us to shame. Amen? Pastor Martin, 88 years old, street preaching. Just think about that. He's out there street preaching. Now, Pastor Martin has blood pressure issues. He has uh, some some skin-related issues. Uh, he has vision issues. So we want to pray for Pastor Martin uh, and for his health. Okay, we're also praying for my mom as well. My mom has a couple of health issues that she's been dealing with, uh, so we're going to keep her in prayer as well for that. Uh, we're also praying for Bernice. Now, Bernice is a sister in our church, as many of you probably know already. Uh, Bernice has been fighting cancer for quite some time. She's undergoing some treatments. Uh, uh, she had a last treatment on Thursday, which I understand went well, uh, and uh, she also now has a tumor on a nerve. So we're going to continue to pray for Bernice. And I don't know if I mentioned it before, but um, we've been doing a fast for Bernice from Tuesday into Wednesday uh, evening. So if you're able to do that, your health will allow you to do that, and you want to join us in fasting and prayer for Bernice, uh, we would appreciate that. Uh, we're also praying for Bernice's mother, who also has some health issues that, uh, that need to be uh, touched by the Lord. We're praying for uh, Sissy, who's recovering from a broken ankle. Uh, we're also praying for James, a uh, little boy who has Lyme's disease. We want to pray for him. We're also praying for Alan, who ha- was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Um, and uh, we want to pray that the Lord would give him uh, the wisdom to know which direction to go with his treatments and the doctors as well. And then, of course, we're still praying for little Tilden, who is just about a month old and has had multiple surgeries for bacterial meningitis and uh, he has been sent home to his parents now, and he's in their care, and we're thankful for that. We're grateful for it, but we still want to pray for Tilden. All right, and then we're also praying for uh, Kehlani, uh, for her medical problems. Um, not at liberty to go into detail about those, but uh, we want to pray for Kehlani. Uh, we're praying for, uh, uh, let's see, 
George. We're praying for George to get his uh, contracts in order with the city of Eagle Pass uh, for the next year. So we're, we're praying for that. We're also praying for uh, Felipe for his work, school, and ministry load. Sarah in Pensacola Bible School. And we're also praying for Robert, who is a Border Patrol. Uh, I'm sorry, not a Border Patrol. He's a, a National Guardsman who's stationed at the border here in Eagle Pass. He's come to our church on a number of occasions. Uh, he's become a good friend to me. Uh, so we want to pray for Robert, uh, that you would protect him, keep him safe, keep his unit safe, and uh, that he'll be able to get home to see his family soon. Uh, also, we're praying for... Uh, Kurt, Reverend Kurt, out in Massachusetts. Uh, we're praying for his ministry. He recently had a new baby, and so we want to pray for him as well. And then, of course, uh, any unspoken prayer requests, uh, we're going to lift those up in prayer as well. So if you have any prayer requests, uh, even if it's an unspoken, you want to just indicate that, you can email me directly at info at com and I'll get you onto our list. Oh, also, we want to pray for Charles. Uh, Charles is looking for prayer. Charles had an injury to his hand at work. Uh, thankfully, it could have been a lot worse, uh, but it wasn't, so we're, we're thankful for that. So we want to pray uh, for Charles as well. Okay, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for all the love and the mercy, the grace, uh, that you have poured out upon us. Father, we thank you that we could approach the throne of grace and we can lay the petitions of our heart before you. Father, today, we want to pray for all of these on our, on our salvation list. We want to pray for specifically my mom, my sister, and my granddaughter, and David, uh, all in need of salvation. Father, we also want to pray for Pastor Martin for his health. We want to pray for my mom for her health. Uh, Bernice, Lord, we pray that you would just touch her and uh, just bring a, bring a healing to her body and give them discernment and, and, uh, and grace as they uh, decide how they're going to treat um, the cancer and the tumor that has come about. Father, we also want to pray for uh, Sissy. We're thankful that she's recovering well, and we just pray that you would continue to heal. Lord, we also want to pray for James. Uh, we're praying for Alan as well for the prostate cancer diagnosis, that you would give him wisdom as he... Uh, as he makes those decisions that he needs to make as far as treatment and also the doctors as they treat him. Uh, we're also lifting up Tilden uh, for recovery from this bacterial meningitis, uh, Kehlani for her health issues. Lord, we also want to pray for George for the contract renewals that he's waiting on with the city. Lord, we pray that you would just bless him with that work. Felipe up in Wisconsin uh, for his work, school and ministry load, Sarah in Pensacola, uh, with back in Bible school, and of course Robert in uh, here in Eagle Pass, working on the border. Uh, uh, Lord, we just pray for his safety, his protection, and we pray that you would just give him an opportunity to get home to see his family soon. Father, we also want to pray for Reverend Kurt out in Massachusetts, Lord, for his ministry, the load that he carries, and now the newborn uh, that he's been blessed with. We thank you for that. And of course, Lord, all the unspoken prayers of our hearts, Father, we pray that you would answer those and all of our prayer requests according to your perfect will for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a short break, and that'll give you a chance to uh, go get your King James Bible. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, a bottle of water, and when we come back, we're going to be getting into today's Bible study on when I would do good. 
and I'm going to check all my text messages that were coming through while I was trying to do this. All right. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. All right, folks, welcome back. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast, and this is Joe Russiello. And uh, we are going to jump right into this study today. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to go over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. All right. Romans chapter 7, and we're going to begin in verse 18. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Now, you know, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't understand that. And as a matter of fact, I would probably say that the majority of Christians don't even know that. They think that there's something in their flesh that's still good. But you see here that that's really not the case. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, I'm sure we have all had that problem, right? I'm sure we've all found that to be true. All right, verse 20. Verse 20. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the flesh of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, as we look to your word today for instruction, 
We pray that you would enlighten us, that you would illuminate our hearts, that you would graphically illustrate in any way necessary to our minds the truth that needs to be communicated to us. I'm confident that if there's any listening today that are not saved, you would perform that work in them and bring to them the knowledge of Jesus Christ, their Savior. Lord, there are instructions here for the saints. Uh, may we please, Lord, take advantage of them and use them to our benefit and to the benefit of the Lord Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so the text in verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It's not this body of death, but it's the body of this death. And there's a difference. In other words, this body, this body that I have, that you have, is destined to death. But that doesn't mean that the rest of me or you is destined to death. The body of this death there's a difference. There's actually a fundamental difference. That's the only part of me that will die. That's it. That's the good news. Everything else I've got is going to stay alive. It's just the flesh that I have that will die. You know, the Bible says that the wages of the law of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Look with me in verse 23. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So there's a law. Now, when our children are at school, they learn something about basic laws. Well, I don't know so much about today, but in theory, they should be learning certain basic things about laws. Like, uh, there's a law of gravity, right? Isn't that a law? The law of gravity affects all kinds of things, doesn't it? For example, you know, this midsection that I have right here, you know, and, and, you know, in the last 20 years, my pant size hasn't changed. You know, my belt just keeps getting lower. That's about it, you know, but you know what's happening? Well, that's gravity. That's a law of gravity, right? Uh, there are laws in the universe, physical laws that affect physical things. There's a law of sowing and reaping, Right. There are all kinds of laws. I remember when I was a kid in school, the science teachers would do all these little uh, experiments, you know, to, to demonstrate all these laws. And I always found them fascinating. Uh, now, there's a law in effect that affects the whole human race. And that law is called the law of sin. The law of sin absolutely requires, and it's predetermined according to the law of sin, that all mankind will die. For the wages of sin is death. So what's the problem with this body? Again, deliver me from the body of this death. What's the problem here? I mean, clearly there's a problem, so what is it? The best way that I can illustrate it is found in the Ten Commandments. So let's just take a moment and let's take our Bibles and turn over to Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus, the second book of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. Now, we'll come back to Romans 7, but very briefly, I want to review the Ten, the Ten Commandments with you in light of this question. What's the problem with this body, right? This, the body of this death, the apostle said. Well, let's take a look and let's answer this question in light of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 3. 
Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So it's a body that seeks gods that will accommodate sin. All right? It's a body that seeks gods, small g, that will allow that body to have pleasure in unrighteousness. Consequently, God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's what's wrong with this body. It's a body that seeks gods that will accommodate my unrighteousness and my unholy desires. Verse 4, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So it's a body that desires to worship gods that it created, not the God that created it. So it's a body that kind of wants to kick God off the throne and replace him with an inferior God. In other words, let's find a God somewhere in creation. Let's worship the creature more than the creator. But you know what that does? It eliminates accountability, doesn't it? Well, how does it, how do you do that? How does it eliminate accountability? How does it eliminate accountability, Joe? Well, because if, if I can make a tree or an owl or a whale or a bear or a lion or, or nature itself, a God, then I have no accountability for my actions. I have no accountability to a tree, no accountability to nature. Boy, that's a great God, right? No accountability. You see, it's a body that wants to kick God off the throne and replace him with an inferior God. Let's look at commandment number three, verse seven. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So it's a body that refuses reverence. It's a body that has a wicked mouth. That's what's wrong with this body. You know, people ask, what's wrong with the body? Well, so far we found three things that are pretty wrong with it, and we're only up to the third commandment. So you're beginning to see why people tend to resent the Ten Commandments, don't you? We don't want to be continually confronted with those things that remind us that there's nothing good here. There's nothing good here. That's the problem. So what we're doing right now is, you know, taking your self-image and we're kicking it to the curb. And then once we've done that, we're going to show you why you can have a good self-image and what's that, what that's based upon. We're going to replace the bad with the good. Got it? All right, let's go on. Verse 8. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So it's a body that resists acknowledgement of holiness. Notice it says, keep it holy. My body resists the acknowledgement of holiness. Now, I want you to notice that um, these four commandments, the first four, the four that we've examined so far, every one of them all deal with man's relationship to God and his refusal to allow God to have his rightful place. These first four have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with man's relationship with other man. It has nothing to do with things between me and God. So it's a body that resists the acknowledgement of holiness. All right, verse 12, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So it's a body that has no natural desire 
to render respect. It's a body that has no desire to render any kind of respect. Your children don't naturally desire to respect you. They have to be taught that. They have to be educated that way. And if you don't teach them that, they're not going to learn it. So I just thought I'd pass on that good you know, parental advice. Proverbs 20 and verse 11 says, There is a generation that curseth father and mother, and doth not bless their mother. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. So it's a body that has no natural desire to render respect. And there is a generation, God says, that embodies that more than any other generation. Well, why? Because they evidently haven't been taught that. You know, my natural instinct is not to render respect. All right. Uh, Exodus 20 and verse 13. Exodus 20 and verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. So it's a body that has no compassion. Uh, now, I know that there are some people that would say, well, wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. I'm not a killer. You know, these people here, they aren't killers. You know, most people today don't have a desire to kill. Well, Okay, I just want you to think about me with this for a moment. All right. There are so many people today that would never think of killing someone with a gun or a knife or a baseball bat. But they would do it with their tongue. They would kill their reputation. They would slander them, talk about them behind their back. The Bible says thou shalt not kill. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And listen, there are many other verses in the Bible that speak about this. I don't have time to run through them all, but you should look them up. Look them up. Search the scripture. You know, don't you get amused? Like, we're coming into an election cycle right now. I know, here he goes again on politics. That's the other podcast that we do, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to jump into this here for a second. But, you know, we're coming to an election season, right? And when you watch the, these, uh, these, these ads, right, or you watch these news clips and sound bites, I actually get amused <laughs> when I see these things in these political campaigns because, you know, both parties always seem to start out saying this is going to be a campaign of, you know, being nice, we're not going to lower ourselves to a campaign of, uh, you know, name calling and muck raking and, you know, and on and on and on and on. And then what happens? It usually takes about what? Two weeks, three weeks. And all of that goes out the window. All of a sudden it's, 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 it's this guy groped this one and that one groped that one. And, and he's Hitler, she's Hitler, this one's Hitler, that one's Hitler. You know, anything and everything that you can think of gets thrown out. But you know why that is? Because the natural instinct within a human body is that I have no compassion. No compassion. Verse 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. All right, so this is a body that's controlled by lust. It's a body controlled by lust. You know, the advertising world figured that out a long time ago. That's why so much, I mean, pay attention to it. 
so much of the advertising and primetime TV programs and all that stuff out there today is geared toward uh, 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 to attract you to it. I'm trying to think of how to say it. All right. Um, it's all meant for you to be attracted to. Right. Understanding that there's something really wrong with the body. It's a body controlled by lust, by lust. Verse 15, thou shalt not steal. All right. And so it's a body that's consumed with laziness and greed, laziness and greed. Stealing is the result of laziness and greed. Hey, did you ever steal someone's good name? How about their reputation? What about their character? Have you ever led someone astray? Did you ever leave work at 3 o'clock and sign out on your time card at 4? Come on, don't kid yourself. This body is nothing but a common thief. Verse 16, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. So it's a lying body. It's a lying body. It lies from the cradle to the grave. Now, I remember when my kids were little, uh, Becky and Matt, uh, you know, I think sometimes, <laughs> you know, I think sometimes that the Lord gives us children so we could better understand the depravity of man. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth, right? Um, well, I remember when, when they were like really young, uh, they were in the living room eating Oreo cookies and milk. And from where I was, I was able to see them clearly. I mean, I had a clear eye shot, unobstructed view, you know, completely downrange, could see everything. And I remember seeing Matt stand up, take one of the Oreos, carefully place it on the floor, and then step on it. I saw him do it <laughs> with my own eyes. You know, then I walked into the living room and I asked him, I said, Matt, did you do that? And you know what my precious, innocent little son said when he looked me in the face? He pointed at his sister and said, Becky did it. It's a lying body. It's a lying body. Okay? Verse 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So it's a body that's never satisfied. It's a body that's never satisfied. So then what do we do? We go back to the original question. What's wrong with this body? Well, you know what? God gave you 10 things that were wrong with it. So then you say, well, then a Christian self-image is just all shot, you know, it's all to pieces. Well, no. No, it's not shot to pieces. Because your self-image shouldn't be tied to your body. Don't connect it to your body. Connect it to the one who indwells you. Connect it to Jesus Christ. You know, someone says, you know, you think you're pretty great, don't you? You know what my response is? You bet. You bet. Well, you must think you're perfect. Yes, I do. But, but before I start getting all the hate mail, uh, you see, if you read Romans 7 very carefully, do you know what Paul differentiates between? I don't think this body, this flesh is great. I don't think any of this stuff is perfect. But if you read Romans 7, that is in me. What the real me is now the one who occupies me. 
the one who lives within me. When I invited him in, he came in, and I think he's fabulous. I think he's great. And what makes it even better is that we're intrinsically tied together. You see what I'm saying? Don't get your self-image hooked up to this mess because if you're honest with yourself for five seconds, you'll be in the pits of despair. But if you hook your self-image to the one who lives within you, in the person of our Savior, then you can feel really good about yourself. Okay, let's get back to Romans chapter 7. And before we get back into the chapter, we're going to take our last break, and we'll be right back after this song. And this is for one specific listener who told me that they like this stuff. So here you go. We'll be right back. Come one, come all, let's gather and worship. Uh, that is from uh, Ron and Shelley Hamilton, and uh, that was for Ruby. She asked for it. Well, not that song, but she said she liked Ron Hamilton, so I try to accommodate. All right, folks, this is Joe Russiello, and this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast, and um, I hope you guys are getting into the message. I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope it's some kind of a blessing to you. And I hope you're learning something from it about us, about yourselves, and about our Savior. So uh, while the song is playing, I went and refilled my coffee, got some more water, and we're going to get back into the study uh, in Romans chapter 7. So hopefully you got your place there, Romans chapter 7 and verse number 21. 
Romans chapter 7, verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So that's not a theory. Okay, that's a law. That law is in force just as much as the first and second laws of thermodynamics. That law is in force just as much as the law of gravity or the law of sowing and reaping. That law right there, that law says when you would do good, evil is present with you. It's a law. You can count on it. Absolutely plan on it. There is absolutely no variation to it. God has declared it, and it is so. When you would do good, evil is present with you. So in other words, every time you want to go and do the right thing, somewhere there's evil lurking in the shadows. Every time you say, I'm going to go do right, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, evil is right there with you saying, how can I mess this up? It's a law. So Paul, in these verses, presents one of the great struggles of the ages, the fight to do right versus the presence of evil. Now he says this. He says, this is a law. It's not the law that he was talking about earlier in the chapter. You have to distinguish the difference. Look back, look back with me over in verse 8, Romans chapter 7 and verse 8. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to underline in my Bible. And you can underline the law. Okay, go to verse 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Again, underline the law. Verse 12. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, just, and good. The law. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about, you know, for example, the law we just looked at in Exodus 20. The law, the law, the law, the Ten Commandments. But when you get over to verse 21, he's talking about something totally different. I find then a law, not the law, a law. In other words, this is just absolutely foolproof that when I do good, evil is present with me. Now, there are certain laws that are absolutely irreversible, except by divine intervention, like the law of thermodynamics, you know, sowing and reaping, aging and death, action and reaction, cause and effect. These are all laws, are they not? And unless divine intervention takes place, they're absolutely irreversible. So there are laws. The one we're dealing with here is when I would do good, evil is present with me. So obviously the good being spoken of here has to do with spiritual activity, not necessarily heading the committee to build a local park. All right, That's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about when you would do good, that is spiritual things. Okay, so let's break it down into a chronological order in a Christian's life. All right, uh, first of all, salvation. Did you know that there are, there are many people right now listening to us, listening to this, and that may be listening to it later on, that have heard this message or, or the gospel message before, and they're, they're, they're pondering salvation. 
There are people right now pondering trusting the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Do you know what trusting the Lord Jesus is for salvation? That's doing good. That's doing right. That's the best thing you could ever do. But you know what the problem is? Evil is present with you. Evil is saying, don't do it. You know, cartoonists for centuries have always characterized that struggle. You know, the angel on one shoulder and the, and the devil on the other shoulder whispering in the ears. When I would do good, evil is present with me. When pondering it, evil intensifies and often wins. Evil memories, evil desires, evil ambitions often overrule the desire to do right. You know, many times when you tell someone that they need to get saved, they say, well, you know, I have to straighten out a few things in my life first. Well, what that often means is, you know, I'm still holding on to some evil that I'm not willing to forsake. And if I can figure out some way to surrender the evil, then maybe I'll do right. When I would do good, evil is present with me. That's true of every man and every woman and every child that sits and prolongs the thought of salvation and trusting Jesus Christ. Okay, number two, surrender. All right, so after you're saved, you've tr after you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, what then? Would you take your Bible and go with me to Galatians chapter 5? Galatians chapter 5. When I would do good, evil is present with me. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Now, I've heard preaching that paints an unrealistic picture. All right, it paints a picture that if you just get saved, then everything's going to be all grand and wonderful, bubbly, happy, rosy, and bright. No, no. The law isn't extinguished if you trust the Lord. The law is not overruled. It's still present. When I would do good, evil is present with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the law are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations. Now, I know that some of you are probably thinking, you know, man, I think I'm reasonably clean on some of those, although I'm not sure what a couple of those words mean, but I kind of sort of think I'm off the hook so far. Okay. Well, how about wrath? Have you ever gotten so angry that you just saw red? Have you ever gotten so full of wrath or strife, strife, oh man, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. It seems like before the Lord gets done with this list, he gets everybody, doesn't he? After salvation, do you know what this is? And this is talking to believers. This is talking to those who are saved and know the Lord. Paul says the flesh is lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So in other words, there's a conflict. In other words, when I would do good, evil is present with me. 
So after salvation, after surrender, after salvation issues a surrender to right and good comes before us, that's when you see a lot of the separation of the sheep from the goats. That's where you see a lot of people kind of fall off the wagon when they're confronted with the issues of surrender. You know, simple things, simple things, nothing really difficult, but it's amazing how difficult things seem to be to some people. Simple things like uh, church attendance. I would do good, but evil is present with me. Bible reading, prayer, giving, treating others with kindness are all met with great temptation from the law of evil. The law of evil is always there, sitting on your shoulder. Evil will always work to keep you from doing good. It'll insert all kinds of other possible agendas and opportunities and excuses for you not to do good. When I would do good, evil is present with me. It's always there. It deals with the issue of surrender. And after you've come to a place where you say, I'm going to surrender to the Lord, then we're reminded of what the apostle said when he said, having done all to stand. So number three is standing firm. So first to salvation, second, <clears throat> second is surrender, and third, standing firm, standing. So in other words, it's one thing to surrender, but it's another thing to stand firm. After surrendering and one takes a stand and makes his position known, do you know what evil does? Well, evil just steps up the pace. It steps it up. Now you're thinking, well, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me illustrate it this way. Moses. Moses slew the Egyptian, which was wrong. Just because the guy was an Egyptian doesn't mean that Moses had the right to kill him. It was wrong to slay the Egyptian. But because he wanted to do right, he wanted to protect the slave, he protected the slave. When I would do good, evil is present with me. Or how about Joseph? Joseph is trying to do right, and Potiphar's wife jumps into the equation. Or what about David? Do you know what David was before? Or do you know what was before David and Bathsheba? David and Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth is an occasion where David did good. He exercised uh, <clears throat> great mercy and pity on a man that needed it. David did good. When I would do good, evil is present with me. Or Solomon. You know, Solomon builds the temple. That's a good thing, right? Per the instruction of God, giving God's people the opportunity for real worship and service, an opportunity for sacrifices to be offered up upon the brazen altar, an opportunity for the blood to be sprinkled upon the mercy seat in, place, in, in a place of God's designation. Solomon built the temple. But what happened? Well, he married all the wrong women. When I would do good, evil is present with me. How about Peter? Oh, Peter. How can we forget Peter? Good old Peter. Peter tries to stay close to the Lord. He does good. Peter says, I want to be a good soldier. I want to be a good servant. I want to be a good disciple. Peter struggles and struggles and struggles with trying to do good. And he ends up denying the Lord, cursing and lying. When I would do good, evil is present with me. Now, don't be like other people and come to a conclusion of, well, then I just won't do good. That's the wrong conclusion. 
We're talking about a law. When I would do good, evil is present with me. Now, why is that? When you stand for righteousness and truth, somewhere along the way, you're going to get kicked in the teeth. Somewhere along the way. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Isn't that what the Bible says? I didn't write that. God wrote it. Why is it so? Well, we have to consider that we're living in a world that's controlled by Satan. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world, does it not? To do good is against the flow of this world. To do good is to go against the mainstream. To do good is to go against what the world, the devil, and the system of the devil stand for. So when you're doing good, you're going against the tide. You know, every year you read about uh, or hear about someone getting caught in like a riptide. Back in New York, this was a very, you know, unfortunately a very common thing. You know, uh, and if you don't know what a riptide is, you know, the tide or the current of the ocean uh, just just it, it has exerts a tremendous amount of force and it just pulls a person out. The tide can pull you under. It can drown you. And you may never even been found. Is it worth it to fight the tide of the world? Because as a believer, that's what you're going to do. As a believer that just wants to obey God and do right, when I would do good, evil is present with me. If you make up your mind and you decide that you're going to do the right thing, you're going to be fighting against the tide of this world. Now the question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? So the final thing that we have to decide as we conclude this is, is it worth it? And I wish, I really do, I wish that I could paint a rosier picture for you. I wish I could tell you that everything is going to be great and not to worry about anything. But I see a law. And the law says that when I would do good, evil is present with me. It's a law. What you have to ask is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Well, how about we get the answer? Take your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I would say to you, as we come to a conclusion here, we try to wrap this up, that it's, it's only worth it. And you'll only convince yourself that it's worth it. If you, if you can focus on the future. Focusing on right now isn't going to necessarily convince you that it's worth it unless you're diving into the Word of God and getting into some of the deeper things. But if you're looking at it from a you know, shallow, uh, superficial presentation, I don't know. Look in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16. But now they desire a better country. That is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Now listen. When you would do good, evil will be present, but it doesn't mean you have to surrender to it. And that doesn't mean that you have to be miserable. There's unspeakable joy in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And understanding the bigger picture, you'll be better off if you'll make up your mind to do good and fight evil all you can. 
the Lord will help you. The Lord will help you. Has he not helped all those that we read of in the Bible that sought his help? Does he not help anyone who seeks his help and asks for his help? You know, I was actually building a message that just, I don't know, just didn't quite come together. I mean, maybe someday I'll get it together and, and preach it or teach it. But it's on the shortest prayer in the Bible. Do you know what the shortest prayer in the Bible is? And it's not repeated once. It's actually repeated several times. The shortest prayer in the Bible is just two words. Two words. Save me. It's repeated many times in the Bible. That just doesn't apply to salvation as we generally interpret it, but it can also apply to a lot of things. Like, when I would do good, evil is present with me. Lord, save me. You don't have to capitulate. You don't have to surrender. You can fight. And then having done all, stand. You can endure hardness as a good soldier. You just need to know that when you do good, evil is present with you. You need to focus on the bigger picture. And the bigger picture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16 is, but now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to living in a place where I can go anywhere at any time and visit anyone, and they actually like to talk about God. I mean, wouldn't it be great to live somewhere where everyone is packing a Bible around in their pocket? Hey there, brother, you got a minute? Yeah, hey, let, let's take a look at this. Oh, yeah, isn't that great? Isn't God good? Wouldn't it be something to live in a place where all the music is dedicated to praising Jesus Christ? Don't you think it's kind of sad that you could turn on your radio and you can scan the stations and not find one that plays music or programming that glorified Jesus Christ? I actually miss family radio for the music. The teaching was garbage, but the music was great. Wouldn't it be great to live in a place where there's built-in stereo with angelic music and everyone wants to rejoice in holiness? Will you turn on, turn on the news every night in your heavenly mansion and the commentator says, we have no bad news to report tonight. Every single night. No wrecks on the highway. No drive-by shootings. No murders. No terrorist attacks. No rapes. No wars. No burglaries. No bad news. Can you imagine that? You know what you have to do when you realize that this law, when I would do good as evil, evil is present with me, when you realize that this law is inevitably enforced until the Lord takes us out of here, focus on the bigger picture. The bigger picture is Abraham sought for a city whose builder and maker is God. There's something beyond this life. Let's live accordingly. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. I look forward to seeing you next week. May God bless you and have a great, great day. Take care. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day. Well, that's about it, really. 
The film ends mainly visually. 